Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Today, uh, we start our new sermon series going through the, the book of Colossians. And one of the things that I hope you'll notice as we go through this book is that it is one of the most Christ-exalting books in the Bible. As you go through this book, there are several themes. Uh, if you were to buy books on Colossians or listen to uh, different sermon series, you would find these things very these themes, excuse me, very prominent. In chapter one, we see what is known by many as the primary theme of this book. And in verse number eighteen, the Bible tells us, "And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he might have." The preeminence. And so the first theme, probably some consider the major theme of this book, is the preeminence of Christ. Notice it doesn't say prominence, but it says preeminence. Many make Christ a part of their life, but for the Christian, nothing and no one is to be high, of higher importance in our life than Jesus Christ. Another theme is found in chapter 2 is the theme of being rooted and built up. If you look with me there at verse number 6, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Not only is Christ to have preeminence, the highest position in our life, the, the main priority in our life, but we as believers are to be rooted in Jesus Christ and teachings of Christ, and then and are, we're to be grow and be conformed into the image of Christ. Also in chapter number 2, in verse number 10, we see another theme that is prominent in this book when the Bible says, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. And so we see as believers, we are to be complete in Christ. And we are complete in Christ. Then in chapter number three, we see a, another theme, this concept of, of spiritual, spiritual growth. It tells us in verse number one, if ye then be risen with Christ, speaking of those believers, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And then he tells us in verse number five, mortify therefore your members. And he goes on to tell us there's some things in your life that you are to put off, and there are some things in, your in this world, in this life, that you're to, to put on. And he begins to talk about the concept of, of spiritual growth, another prominent theme in this book. There's another theme that you'll see throughout the book, um, it's the book of the word walking, or to walk. And the, the idea here is that God is concerned with how we conduct ourselves as we live here in this world, and that our life should be guided by our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you look in chapter 1 and verse 10, the Bible says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 6, it says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In chapter 3, verse 7, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, talking about the way that we conducted ourselves before we accepted Christ. And then in chapter 4, verse 5, it says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And other times throughout this book, you see this 
concept of walking and the way that we conduct ourselves. Listen, God is concerned with the way that you live your life here in this world. So many have this idea that uh, I accept Christ and that's really all that matters and then one day I'm going to go be with him. But the reality is, is when we accept Christ, our eternal life starts. We're now part of God's family. We're part of the body of Christ. And there's an expectation uh, by God and how we as believers are to live our lives and how we're to conduct ourselves. And, and you know, we'll see all of these themes over the next few months as we go through this book. But I, for this time together, have chosen to be our main theme for this uh, sermon series, the word strong. The word strong. Look with me at chapter 1 and verse 10. The Bible says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Many people seek, seek strength uh, in this life. Many people emphasize uh, physical strength. They spend countless hours uh, maybe in a gym or running or, or doing different things. They, they focus on their diet and they do all of these things to, to spend, uh, uh, spend a lot of time focusing on uh, their physical strength in their body. The Bible tells us that, that bodily exercise profiteth little. And I'm all for and believe that we should take care of ourselves physically and, um, and we should be physically, uh, physically strong. So many people overemphasize physical strength. We live in a day and age uh, where emotional, emotional strength uh, is emphasized today. And many people spend countless hours and, and much time in, in, in dealing with their, their emotional state and their emotional strength. And again, I believe this is something as Christians that we should uh, deal with today. And I, I, I do believe this is something that we haven't emphasized enough as, as Christians and, and the emotional state of of people and others emphasize mental strength and 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 they put much of their time and energy into their uh, mental well-being and again this is an area that we should focus on but when someone goes through uh, something difficult uh, we find at times we'll use that word we'll we'll take their name and we'll use that word strong you know they show some great fortitude and and courage or strength through some pain or adversity, or even uh, organizations will use this concept to show their strength, like Army Strong, or you know, will somebody's like going through a hard time, they'll say, you know, Daniel Strong, and emphasizing the strength of that person as they go through that that difficulty. And I and I understand, and you understand what they're talking about there. But but the strength that Christians should desire as we live here in this world and conduct ourselves and relate to other people and and serve God in this world, the strength that we should desire is the strength that Paul's talking about here, the strength that comes from the Lord. And so as we go through the book of Colossians, I believe spiritual strength needs to be our focus. We live in a world that is filled with Christians that unfortunately are spiritually weak. And uh, we, we focus on so many other aspects of, of life 
and um, and you know we go to church and and we feel like okay that's enough and 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 we do very little em- to emphasize our walk with God our spiritual growth and, and 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 becoming the believer that God wants us to be and Paul says to the church here at Colossians listen I want you to be strengthened I want you to be strengthened and so we're going to look at strengthening our life spiritually as we dwell as we live here in this world that we constantly are battling and fighting. We see a theme throughout Scripture where God says, I don't want you to faint. Faint not. Faint not. Don't become weary in well-doing. And so the concept there is in order, the concept is in order to, to, to not faint, to not be weary, is we must, we must be strong. When I uh, went to college, I, uh, I loved to play basketball, and, and when I was in high school, um, my coaches told me not to lift weights, not to lift weights. I had guys that were coaches that, um, they, they weren't um, coaches, they were just people that volunteered, and we praised the Lord for them in our Christian school, and, and so they would tell me, like, don't work out during the season, don't work out, you're going to mess up your shot, you know, and all that stuff and everything, and so I didn't work out, and so I got to college, and, and the total opposite happened. The coaches are like, you have to work out. You have to work out. You have to work out. And uh, one of my roommates, a guy named Jim, he was uh, on the team and um, he uh, worked out more than any person that I've ever met uh, in my life. And he had less than 2% body fat. And sometimes we would be in the room and, and we'd be bored and uh, he'd say, hey, uh, I'm bored. Let's go run 10 miles. And I'm like, hey, I'm bored. Let's go get a piece of pie or something. And, um, you know, and, um, but, you know, that's just who he was. A few years ago, you know, we're in our 40s, and a few years ago, I saw a friend post an article about Jim, and he lives in Tupelo, Mississippi, and he ran like a four-minute mile and 45 years old or whatever. I mean, it was, it's something, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and so Jim decided that, you know, the coaches staff said, you know, Daniel's weak, he needs to go to the gym and work out. And so Jim decided it was his job to take me and strengthen, get me stronger. And so, um, and I'm there in the gym and he puts, you know, 135 pounds to 245 on there. And he's like, all right, let's warm up with this. And um, so he warms up with that. And so he's like, all right, it's your turn. And so, so I laid down on the bench and, and he helped me pick it up. And he said, all right, you ready? And um, he said, I said, yeah. He's like, all right, one, two, three. And he let go. <laughs> and I wasn't ready. And it was bam. I mean, the bar line bruise was across my chest. And, um, and listen, I was, I was physically weak and, uh, when I went to college. And, you know, looking back, probably even more than physically weak back in those days, I was spiritually weak at that time. And, um, and you know, um, many Christians, unfortunately, are. And I hope that through this series that we as individual Christians we as families, and we as a church will be strengthened. Let's pray and we'll jump in to our outline today. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit, and thank you for spiritual strength. And I pray that our desire today, Lord, truly would be strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next week we'll come back to uh, Colossians chapter 1 and begin there in um, chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll begin to systematically walk through uh, these these verses, but I wanted to stop today as we introduce this sermon series and talk about this concept of strength and bear, be, being spiritually strong. And so number one, I want you to see the need. There's a need for strength. We are in a battle. 
in this world which we live in today. Now, many of us don't know war. Many of us uh, here today in our age um, haven't really been through war. Many of us haven't served in the military. Some of you, um, you have been in truly what it means to be in war and to, to be in battle. Many of us sitting here today, we have, have had very comfortable lives and we're very passive in this life. But God talks about the spiritual life as being a life that is, that is a battle. Going back to the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 1, God tells Joshua to be strong and, and of a good courage as they're getting ready to, to go into the promised land. And I, I want you to listen to the words that God tells Joshua as he now takes the place of Moses. He's getting ready to, to lead the people into uh, the promised land. Think about it for just a moment. God had promised them this land, but he also promised them battles. All right, when you go over there, he says, I want you to drive out the Canaanites. I want you to drive out the other uh, nations that are there in the land, which I promise you. Hey, listen, they weren't going to come across there and just walk up to, to Jericho and say, hey, would you guys please um, vacate the land that God had promised us? That's not what God told them was going to happen. He said, you're going to have to go into the land and you're going to have to drive them. You're going to have to drive them out. There's going to be a battle for this land land when you go over there. And so he tells them, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great the river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Notice there when he's talking to Joshua and he's preparing them to go into the promised land, he doesn't say, hey, listen, hey, go over there and be excited, be strong, be encouraged because we have a great army here in the nation of Israel. I mean, we've been training. We got weapons of mass destruction. I mean, we, we got the best modern weapons that, that man has today. I mean, you're, you have uh, abilities and weapons beyond what they have. He never tells them that. What does he say? He doesn't say, you're great warriors. Uh, you're, you know, you're going to go over there and you're going to conquer them. What does he say? Hey, go over and I'm going to be with you. Go over and I'm going to be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because I am going with you. Your strength in defeating Jericho, your strength in running out the Hittites, your strength in these battles going forward is not in yourself, but it is in me. 
And that's why Paul tells us, be strengthened in the power of his might. We, in this day and age, in the church, are in a spiritual battle, just as they were in the Old Testament. So we go to Ephesians chapter 6, and the Bible tells us to be strong in the Lord. When he says this, listen, finally, my brethren, talking to the the church, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul tells the church there at Ephesus, and, 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 and Paul talks about this in Colossians, listen, we need the strength of the Lord because we are in a battle. The the struggle is we don't realize that. We don't understand that. We think, listen, everything is great and everything is amazing and everything is wonderful because, listen, I'm taken care of and I have the material things of this world. And so what happens is so many are losing, losing in this world spiritually because they don't recognize that we're in a battle because their life is so comfortable. But what God tells us is that our battle is not material. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We're in a spiritual battle. And so he says there that we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might so that we might be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. We need to stand against the schemes, against the attacks, against the battle that we're facing here that is a spiritual battle. And so today, in order for us to understand the need for strength, we have to understand the need, uh, the, the battle that we, are, that we are facing, all right? If you were to come to me and say, hey, listen, pastor, listen, you need uh, to be able to bench press 300 pounds, I would say you're absolutely insane. There's no need for me. I'm never going to have a reason um, to bench press 300 pounds. There's no reason for me uh, to do that in my life. So what if you have to pick up something heavy? Listen, there's a jack, and I can call five other people to come and pick it up. There's no need. I would never recognize, and therefore, you know what's going to happen? I'm never going to put the work in. I'm never going to put the effort in. I'm never going to put the energy in. Now, I do know that there's a need for me to be physically healthy, uh, particularly heart healthy. I mean, that's the thing we live in our world today. And, um, and so, um, you know, so I need to exercise and do those type of things. And so I, I know that I'm supposed to do those things. I'm not telling you that I do those things, but I know that I'm supposed to do that. I should be doing those things. I should get my heart rate up. I should be, you know, doing those type of things because it's healthy for me. And I'm more apt to do some of those things than I am to go sit in a, a, in a weight room and just bend, lift weights um, because I really have no reason. There's no, there's no purpose uh, in that, you know, for me. Um, you know, I have no purpose um, to learn Chinese in my life. Like, it'd probably be good for me. Um, it might open up some doors, but I really don't see the value in it. So what happens? I don't put the work into it because I don't see the value. I don't see the need uh, to, to do those th- sort of things. And when we don't see the need, guess what happens? We're not going to put the effort and we're not going to put the energy. And that's where we are in the church today. We don't see the battle. We don't understand the spiritual conflicts that we're facing today. And, and we believe that, okay, we're okay. And so you know why we're losing our families and why we're losing our kids and, and why we see pastors going off into, into, into sin and, and, and we see the destruction in the world today? Because even Christians, we believe we're okay. We're, it's not that big of a deal. And yet God says, listen, you better watch yourself. You better check yourself because, listen, when you think that you have arrived, that's when you're going to fall. And that's what happens to so many today. 
We, we think we're, it's no big deal, and it's not a struggle. I'm, I'm okay where I am. And so we don't see the need, and so we're not strengthened, and we're weak. And in those moments of weakness, we, we fall. In 2 Timothy, Paul, writing to Timothy, he tells him to be a good soldier. He says this, Thou therefore, my son, be strong, there's our word, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, hey, listen, we're in battle and you are a soldier. And so we need to be strong. Hey, listen, not in your abilities, not in your understanding, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this is the same thing that Paul's telling us in Colossians and that he told us in Philippians is be strong in the power of his might. Spiritually strong because we're facing a battle each and every day. Number two, we see the source of our strength. He tells us there in Colossians chapter one, um, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Now the issue we see, another issue we have in our world and, in, and even in the lives of Christians is we think that we are strong. We think that we are strong. I mean, and even the sickest people around, we never want to admit that we're sick. Like we believe, you know, that we are healthy. And, um, and you know, we kind of have these extremes, like those that are, you know, they're hypochondriacs, you know, they're always, you know, they're the ones that we put on their tombstone. See, I told you that I was sick when they died when they're like 98. And, um, you know, but then you have the other extreme of people here who we never see our problems. And so until it's too late and like we fight it and we don't want to admit, uh, we want to believe that we're strong. We don't want to admit that we have, we have flaws. We struggle admitting that others are better than us. And, and so we, we fail to see ourselves for who we are. And spiritually, we look at, we look at our abilities and we think that we have to, to prove ourselves and, and we want the glory. And so we want people to see us and, and to see our strength and how great we are. And so we fail to see our weaknesses and the need for strength. And so we, we think that we are strong, but truly, for the Christian, true strength comes from God. True strength comes from God. You know, David understood this, and we go back to First Chronicles chapter 29, and the Bible says, Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, listen to these words, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Many passages in the Old Testament speak of God giving power and strength to those that are weak. And, and David, the great king of Israel, understood that his ability and his strength did not come from himself, but it came from God himself. David understood this there. 
Also, we see doing the work of God is only done through his power. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He told his disciples, ye shall receive power. You shall receive strength, the ability to do the work that I have called you to do. And really, without the Holy Spirit, we are just going through the motions. And unfortunately, in our modern church, we, we focus more on um, our abilities and our programs and uh, what we can bring to the table than we do the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I learned a long time ago, I can witness to as many people as often as I want to, but if God does not do the work in their heart, they're not going to get saved. I'm not the one that, that saves them. And I've told you before, sometimes I'd love to take somebody and smack them around and say, would you not listen to me? Uh, but that's not my role. That's God's role. And I'm supposed to sh- preach the gospel to every creature, but the Holy Spirit has to get a hold of their heart and life and draw them to God and, and, and in order to do the work in their life. My job is to do the work in the power of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, gave me the strength, the power, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Peter said this in t- chapter 4 of verse 10 of 1 Peter, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Our work has to be done through God's power, or else we're just spinning our wheels. We have to have God's power, God's strength. And then God's, as we look at this strength, true strength that comes from God, we see that God's power shines greatest through our weakness. God's power shines greatest through our weakness. Second, or excuse me, Second Corinthians 12, Paul said, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, Paul writes, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen today, true strength, spiritual strength comes only from God. When we look at, one of, the, one of the greatest weaknesses is that we look at ourselves as strong. And truly, we should see our weaknesses and allow God's strength to work through us. So number one, understand there is a need. We are in a battle. There is a need for strength. Number two, true strength. Paul says that you might be strengthened in the power of his might. Listen, you can be the strongest, most intelligent person that this world has ever seen but spiritually the weakest because true strength only comes, spiritual strength only comes from God. And then number three, I want us to consider the hindrances to strength. The hindrances to strength. When I was thinking about this, as I was going through this, like what hinders us from having the strength? I had a list of about 20 things and I kept going. Like there's so many things in our life that, that hinder us. 
But I, I, I wrote down just a couple that I wanted to share. Number one, entanglement in this world. Entanglement. Paul, we read as he wrote to Timothy there, calls him to be a good soldier. And he says a good soldier that warring in this world doesn't get entangled with the affairs of this world. One, one of the, the biggest struggles that we have is that we're so consumed with the things of this world. And I, I thought about it. A lot of my 20 things kind of went under this, the, this umbrella. Um, you know, we're entangled by the glory of men by the praise of men. We want, we want the, the acknowledgement from men. We, we care what, what people think. And so we're so consumed and, and so we're wishy-washy. Instead of being strong spiritually, we, we mold and we change and we do what is going to get us the praise of men or get us the, the most friends and, and liked by people here in this world. And so we're spiritually weak because we're consumed with, with what other people what other people think. Materialism, another one that falls in entanglement of the things of this world. We're consumed with, with the wealth of, of this world, and we want more and more and more and more, and we're never satisfied. And what that mindset keeps us spiritually weak, because we're not focusing on spiritual things and the things of God. We're focusing on, on the material things of, of this world. Now, there's nothing wrong with the material things of this world. There's nothing wrong with having friends, but what happens is when we're consumed with those things, when we're, we're consumed with those things, guess what? We're not good at anything else. I, you know, used the basketball illustration already, and, um, you know, one of the things I look back in, in high school and, and or my younger days is um, I spent countless hours playing basketball. Like in the summers, I would play basketball during high school for eight hours a day. Like I would, I just, I would, I would invest and guess what happened? I became pretty good at, at basketball, but you know what? I have no musical ability whatsoever. I, I can't play a musical instrument. They don't allow me to stand up here and sing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, academically, uh, school came pretty easy to me, um, gratefully, or else there's no telling where I would be, but there's so much more I probably could have done if I actually emphasized, you know, my studies and those type of things relationships. I didn't have a lot of strong relationships growing up because those weren't important to me because I wanted to play, play basketball. And, and to be honest, there's so many areas of my life that, that I should be further along in, I should be stronger in, I should be better in, I should have more abilities in, but, but basketball was a priority for my life. And, and, that's, and that's what I emphasized. And so I was entangled at that. And so other things were hindered in my life. And so as we're focused on, on these material things and focused on, on the things of this world, guess what? Something suffers. And for so many, unfortunately, the, the first thing that suffers and many times suffers the greatest is our walk with the Lord, spiritually speaking, because we get entangled with the things of this world. The second thing I wrote down is pride. Our pride hinders us from being spiritually strong. Why? Because we think we're good. Hey, I think I'm great. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm wonderful. And, and, and so my pride, because I can't look at myself honestly, I'm not willing then to put in uh, the time to become spiritually strong and walk with the Lord. And, and because, listen, many Christians today look at God, hey, listen, you should be proud that I'm serving you, and you should, be, you should be glad that I'm a part of your church. And, and this is the attitude, though we don't say that outwardly, but this is the attitude that we have about ourselves. And so what happens is we stay, we stay spiritually weak. We stay spiritually weak in our, our walk with the Lord. Probably one of the biggest ones I wrote down is, is selfishness. 
we are consumed with, with ourselves and getting our way and, and, and being comfortable. And so, you know, we, we claim the Word of God when it says we're going to have trials and when it says we're going to have persecutions, uh, but we do everything we, in our life to avoid those or we become angry and bitter when those happen to us in our life because our, our whole desire is to be, is to be comfortable. Why? Because we're selfish people at times. And our selfishness hinders our walk with God and it hinders our strength. And finally, just, you know, the fourth one is probably one of the biggest one in our culture today is laziness. We, we live in a lazy, a lazy world. Uh, we were talking to somebody this week about uh, the difference of generations. You know how we like to label generations in our culture, and I don't know what generation we are now, generation double D batteries or something. I don't know what it is, but we got A, Z, and X, and anyway, I don't even know where we're at, but we have all these different generations, and we like to compare them, and, and of course, you have the greatest generation, and you have all these, you know, the generations, but one of the things that, listen, let's be honest, that you've seen develop over the years is as technology has developed, as our country has developed, and, and you've seen this concept of laziness develop. Um, sometimes I believe all of us should have to go work on a farm for a year um, with no TV and no internet and all that. Imagine what our world would be like if that's how our kids grew up or that's what they had to do at some point in their life. Uh, but kids today, and, and I'll be honest with you, you know, growing up in, in my life, uh, even when I was younger, you know, I waited for, um, you know, two weeks for my mom to get a paycheck to give me a dollar or five dollars to go get a, a, a pop or whatever. And, and, you know, my kids can go to the refrigerator and get any drink they want. And it's just right there for them. And, and we've seen that, that develop. And, but that has also developed a, an entitlement mindset and a laziness mindset. And so as parents, we have to be more intentional uh, with those things, but as a culture as a whole, we're not. And so we've developed this concept of laziness and entitlement. And so all of our problems are everybody else's problems, right? If you deal with uh, people in customer service or in our culture today, uh, all of their problems are your problems and, and all of those type of things. I've dealt with a lady um, here in our community a, a few weeks ago, and she met with me, and, and the gist of the whole uh, meeting was the last two years of their life have been all these trials and difficulties and to came down to the end of the meeting and we, I realized she was there to tell me all of her problems were my fault. And, um, and it's like there's no acceptance of responsibility and all of those type of things. And, and so all of the, her problems were everybody else's fault, uh, particularly in this situation, my fault, because we're entitled, we're lazy, we're selfish people, and these all hinder our spiritual, and listen, like I told you, I have a whole list of things, um, but what we should do is examine ourselves and see, are there anything hindering me growing spiritually strong uh, in my life today? And then finally, number four, as we finish up, uh, the results of spiritual strength, the results of this strength that Paul's talking about. In uh, chapter one of verse 10, he says, or verse 11, excuse me, says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. And then he says, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. So we see, first of all, there's the idea of, of patience. Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, he said, endure hardness as a good soldier. There's this idea of patience, endurance, being faithful really, to, to God uh, in our walk with Him. Another um, result is long-suffering, he says here, uh, towards, other, towards others, 
in this world and uh, long-suffering and, and having patience with people and showing care and compassion to people is something that we don't see or we see less and less in our world today, but it should be in the life of a Christian. And then he says here in verse number 11, with joyfulness. Joyfulness is a result of, of strength. Uh, you think about it. Um, when somebody exceeds at something or succeeds at somebody at something you know you have a uh, you hit the last shot and I keep our sports theme and or you do something very well or you hit a plateau academically or musically and and you succeed in that or you know you get that promotion or you get that job and and things are going well in your life what happens we become joyful over that we're we're excited about that and it's like I mean nobody ever's like oh man it's terrible I got a 10% raise at work. It's miserable. I can't believe they did that to me. Oh, my team won. Isn't that awful? I mean, my team won, and, and they won the game, and they played really well. And that's not the attitude that we have, right? We have, oh, I didn't get the promotion. Oh, I can't believe this team lost again. They're terrible. Why do I follow them? Why do I support them? That's kind of the, the difference in personality there. When, when, when we succeed, and we're strong, and we're doing well, there's joy and, and excitement, and then when we're not, we're miserable. And so many in our world today, even within the church, unfortunately, are miserable because they're spiritually weak and they're not succeeding in their walk with God and in their spiritual life. And so there's no joy. Nehemiah, we read, the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. Joy and strength go hand in hand when it comes to speaking of spiritual strength. Uh, another one is gratitude. He says in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Gratitude is, is another, um, ever, or excuse me, another result of our strength. The, there's the difference between expectancy and gratitude, selfishness and gratitude. Spiritually weak, I'm selfish, I have this expectation, there's no thankfulness, but when I'm strong spiritually, we're, we have gratitude uh, towards God. And then the last thing I wrote down is fruitfulness, fruitfulness. He allows us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light and all that comes with being um, a Christian and spiritually serving God. And, um, and so when we're strong, we're serving God and we're working for him, and we're doing more, so we're going to have more, more fruit. And so the more that we are able to do, the more that we do, the more we see accomplished in life. And that's the idea there. And so one of the results is, is fruitfulness. And so as we go through this series over these next few months, I hope that we would be strengthened. But you got to see the need to be strong. You got to be willing to admit that we are spiritually weak and that there's a need to grow. And maybe you are strong, but we could be stronger. We have to understand that true strength, the strength that we're talking about, comes only from God. We have to be willing to remove the hindrances and then praise the Lord for the, for the fruit that comes from it. And I believe we'll see it. As we grow in the Lord, we'll see it there will be evidence outwardly um, more and more as we serve God.